turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to another episode of the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Three topics on the platter today. Two are related. A 4,000% increase in kids identifying as non-binary. Where? We'll tell you. It just happens to be the same state that is deciding right now whether or not school teachers should tell parents if their kids decide to go by different pronouns, different gender, etc. And then third on the docket today, Bradley Cooper getting ripped. It is ridiculous, and we'll prove it right after this. Now, it's time for some sanity. It's the Michelle Tafoya Podcast. So, parents, if you... If your kid gets a fever at school, you get a you get a phone call, right? Hi, um, Mrs. Smith. Johnny has a fever. Can I give him Advil? Is that yes? I signed that permission slip at the beginning of the year. Oh, that's right. Great. Well, do you want to come pick him up? Or yeah, I'll come get him. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Jones, Mary uh, got in a fight today at school, and we have some disciplinary action that's going to go on, and you know. Uh, Mrs. Johnson, your, your, your daughter, Susie called someone a name at school today. And we've got to discuss this. All those things get parental involvement, right? Do you get this phone call? Mrs. Matthews, I'm just pulling random names. So please, Mrs. Matthews. Hi. Um, your daughter, Julia has decided to go by Julio and change her pronouns. No, you would not get that call in New Jersey because teachers don't think parents should be involved in that story. What? So let me get this right. You give birth to a child, you raise the child, you send the child to school, you deal with all the homework and stuff at home, but you shouldn't know if your child wants to trans, you know, to to change their gender at school. You shouldn't know that? Wow. Wow. And like I said, third on the docket today is going to be um, Bradley Cooper, and I'll tell you why. But first, that dark spot on your face, is it still bugging you? How about the liver spots on your hands, on your neck, on your chest, everything kind of getting to you? Those you can watch disappear in about three minutes, quickly, safely, introducing the Genucel Dark Spot Corrector three-step, three-minute dark spot luxury system, and it does exactly what it sounds like. By using their Crystal's world-famous microdermabrasion before the dark spot corrector and finishing with a touch of collagen-building Genucel XV, you'll see dark spots disappear before your very eyes instantly, smoothly, luxuriously. Now, what you're watching on the screen are real results in just a couple of minutes. That is kind of incredible. But listen, don't take my word for it. If you're not blown away with your own results, you get 100% of your money back. No questions asked, free shipping, free returns. So go to genucel.com slash Michelle now. Order the new dark spot treatment system today and say goodbye to the pesky spots tomorrow. That's genucel, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Michelle. There is more. Listen to this. All three products are included in Genucel's most popular package for August. 
So you get your Genucel bags and puffiness serum also included all for 70% off retail. Experience the luxury and effectiveness of Genucel. Order now and watch those dark spots disappear in three minutes. 70% off while supplies last. Genucel.com slash Michelle with one L. Genucel.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Genucel, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Michelle. All right. So the first two stories today take place in New Jersey, but they might as well take place anywhere in America because parents are growing in their concern about what their kids are up to. And I don't blame them. Um, There is so much influence out there now. And I think this really, we've said before, it started with COVID. Kids were stuck with their devices, no social interaction, no sports, no school dances, no get-togethers, nothing. So everything was done online. Well, in that process, TikTok absolutely just exploded in popularity. And kids went there to find, I don't know, entertainment, connection, influencers, influencers. Okay, so let me read this to you. And I might not need my glasses here. Um, This is in New Jersey. And the headline is non-binary identifying students in New Jersey skyrocket over four thousand percent since 2019 leftist politicians in the state believe parents should not know about any feelings of gender confusion their child may have so they feel that parents shouldn't know all right so i'm going to get my kid through puberty i'm going to get my kid through all the dental all the medical heck for my daughter it was heart surgery as an infant i'm going to do all these things but if my kid decides at school they want to change their gender. I should not know that this is absolutely nonsensical to me. Recent state enrollment data from New Jersey has found that the amount of students in the public school system who are not now considering themselves to be quote unquote non-binary has skyrocketed over 4,000% during the past four years. Let's put some real numbers to that. In the 2019, 2020 school year, a mere total of 16 students identified with such a label. Okay, so that's 16 students going into the COVID year. That's according to enrollment figures from the New Jersey Department of Education. That's where that number comes from. Now, that number has ballooned to 675. You started with 16, you're at 675, marking an excess of 4,118% increase for the 2022-23 school year. As this massive increase of so-called non-binary kids in the school system has gone on, leftist politicians in the state have been expressing their views that parents should be kept in the dark about any feelings a child may have in regard to their gender or sexual preference, especially when it falls out of the norm. Especially when it falls out of the norm. Well, a fever is out of the norm. A kid getting an F is out of the norm. A kid getting bullied is out of the norm. A child who is bullying someone else is out of the norm. Parents should be involved in all of those matters. But you're saying this one in regards to gender or sexual orientation when they're kids in elementary school? Come on. I, anyone who's listening to this right now is saying this is ridiculous. And, and if you're not, please uh, tweet me at 
Michelle with one L underscore Tafoya. And tell me where I'm wrong on this. Even the governor. Okay, so following a new policy passed by a school district last month saying it will consult parents on anything which could have, quote, a material impact on a student's physical and or mental health. New Jersey Democrat Attorney General Matthew Platkin filed a lawsuit against the rule, arguing it, quote, unquote, discriminates against so-called LGBTQ pupils by mandating teachers to out them to the parents without first receiving permission of the child, without receiving permission of the child. So a child whose brain is not yet fully developed believes it should have, it should, I need to give you my permission to tell my parents what I'm up to. Folks, the parents are the ones raising the child. The parents are the ones paying for all the child's bills, feeding the child, clothing the child, schooling the child, uh, hospitalizing the child when necessary, medical, dental, sports, doing everything for the child. And you're telling me the child needs to give the teacher permission to tell a parent of a significant change? This is insane. This is insane. All right. Democrat state governor Phil Murphy expressed his support for the attorney general's legal action. New Jersey is not the only state where such uh, marked upswings in children identifying with such a concept have been observed in recent times. Maryland's largest public school district, for instance, observed a drastic 582 percent increase of students in Montgomery County schools labeling themselves as gender nonconforming in a short two year period just earlier this month. Uh, the post-millennial, this publication, covered some of the backlash seen in Montgomery County after a group of Muslims furiously protested the educators' forcing of LGBTQ teachings on its students. Chants of protect our children and religious freedom now could be heard outside of a school board meeting. Uh, So this is, uh, we all know this is ridiculous. The child is not the teachers to raise. The child is the teachers to teach. And all the while, this focus on things like LGBTQ, sex education, all this stuff, where's reading going? Down. Just about every metric in America says kids can't read. Most kids can't read where they should be able to read. Where are our priorities? But more importantly, who do the schools think they are? All right. And so now this leads into story number two, also taking place in the Garden State. Must schools notify parents about trans students? Judge girls both sides. Okay, so we got into this massive increase in New Jersey in students identifying outside the norm as non-binary. Look, if you think it's just some sort of coincidence that this all happened starting in 2020, just randomly, think. I mean, where there is smoke, there is fire. And the smoke here is that kids were in lockdown with with very little to do. We've seen kids suffering from depression because of that. So much went on, but they were exposed to things they never would have been. And it's not like, you know, Now, maybe they would have been anyway because of this massive um, ballooning of social media and the influence on kids. But 
let's get real about this. A 4,000% increase since 2020? Huh. Wonder why that is. You do not need data necessarily to, to figure this out. We see it in front of our eyes. All right. So that's where this next thing comes in. In almost a two-hour hearing on Tuesday, a Monmouth County judge asked tough questions of lawyers for the state and for three Monmouth County school districts in a controversial case involving the rights of trans students and parents. The arguments centered on whether school staff in three districts, I won't, must notify parents when gender nonconforming students of all ages ask for changes in their names, pronouns, bathrooms, changing facilities, or clubs or sports teams. Once again, I, I already touched on this. Who do these schools think they are keeping this vital information away from the people who are raising the kids? I got news for you, teachers unions. You are not raising my kids. Superintendents, you are not raising my kids. You are supposed to be educating them. I'd love it if my kids were really good at reading and math and science. <laughs> but this is where we are. So any minute now, I mean, by the time this podcast drops, a decision could be made in New Jersey regarding these three schools and whether or not they need to do this. I will say this. We recorded a podcast with a mom who went through this exact scenario. I will not say where she lives. I will not say any more than I have to about her because she actually later said, I don't want the podcast to air. My relationship with my kids is too important and I don't want to risk that. So we didn't air the podcast. But let me tell you what I learned from the podcast. Her daughter at the age of, I think it was 13, decided she wanted to change genders and the school didn't tell the, the family, the parents. And so ultimately she got a phone call from school about something else. And the person on the other end, the person from the school was calling her daughter, a he, a him and using a different name. And the parent was utterly confused. You must be calling the wrong home. That's not my child. Yes. Yes, it is. What, what what's going on? And that's how the mom found out. So if you think you can keep this a secret forever from the parents, you are sadly mistaken. So why keep it a secret at all? You know, when I was growing up, we had the PTA, the Parents Teachers Association, where parents and teachers got together like once a week, every few weeks, and talked about the well-being of the kids and things at school and all of that. And it was a, it was a collaborative effort. And now it's like you get the feeling that these teachers want to do so much covertly, so much behind the backs of parents, particularly when it comes to sex education, LGBTQ, all of that stuff. Um, it, it's, it's insane to me that this would ever be allowed. It's, it's like we're separating families in, in this action. I mean, let's take the picture. Hi, um, Mrs. Adams. I know I've gone by Jeremiah in school to this point, but now that I'm 11, I think I want to go by Julie and I want to be a she, her. 
oh, this is big news. Okay, well, let, let's think about this. Um, that's fine. We'll change your name to Julie. You will be a she, her, hers. And um, let's not tell your parents. Or would you like to discuss this with your parents? No, I really don't. This is an 11 year old. I mean, look, I've got a 14 and a 17 year old. So I, I you know, I've, I've been past those stages and I look back at videos from when they're 10, 11, 12, and they look like babies to me now. I didn't know what the hell they were doing. So they go online, they see these nice influencers who are telling them, I'll, I'll be your friend. I'm here for you. You might be different. You might be like me. You don't have to be a boy. You don't have to be a girl, whatever the influence is. And because it's a kid, they eat it up. So not telling a parent about this to me is absolutely criminal. You're going to take the parents out of a major life decision like this. What are you going to do next? And in some cases, I'm going to help this young girl uh, get into binding her breasts so that she feels more like a boy. We're not going to tell the parents. What the hell? Now, this is so basic. This is as basic as biological men competing with biological women in sports. It's people are trying to twist it so it seems scientifically acceptable or morally imperative that these things happen. I'm sorry. This is just crazy nonsense. And 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 this slips into the argument as well. Well, if we tell the parents, it could have a a life-threatening, it could have a life-changing impact on the child. Well, isn't the child already going through a life-changing impact by deciding they're going to change genders, change their name, change their pronouns? How is that not an impact on their entire life? And you're saying that if we now let's add in the factor of telling their parents, that's going to just ruin them. Let me tell you something. Parents care way more about their kids than any teacher will. I'll say 99.9% .9 of parents. Yes, you've got a few on the margins that are not doing a great job. But oh my goodness, you're trying to take rights away from parents and give them to children. <laughs> I don't know how much more I can say on this because I, sound, I feel like I'm repeating myself. And quite frankly, it's just, it's, it's so blatantly obvious to me. So it, I think if, if this judge rules in favor of teachers and against the parents in New Jersey, uh, there's going to be trouble in the Garden State. You know, that's not a threat. Good Lord. All right. <laughs> it's, I, I'm, I'm jacked up because before I went to sleep last night, I started seeing this, that Bradley Cooper was trending on Twitter. And then I got John Berg, my producer, involved in helping me dig up some facts and stuff. Here's why Bradley Cooper was trending on Twitter. First of all, he dropped the trailer for his new film, Maestro. Maestro, Maestro, however you want to say it. Uh, which is about Leonard Bernstein, the, the great composer, one of the great composers ever. So he's starring in the film. And so all these tweets went out 
and, and I'll just read to you. This is from NBC News. I'll read this to you. Actor Bradley Cooper is facing mounting backlash over his apparent use of a prosthetic nose in his depiction of composer and conductor Leonard Bernstein in the upcoming movie Maestro. The biographical romance, which Cooper co-wrote, produced, and directed, tells the story of Bernstein, who famously co-created West Side Story with a focus on the composer's 25-year marriage to Felicia, I'm going to butcher the name, Monte Alegre. I hope I did that right. Mom, don't be ashamed of me. After Netflix dropped the trailer for the film on Tuesday, advocates and social media users were quick to notice the change in Cooper's appearance, with some branding his apparent use of a prosthetic nose as anti-Semitic. Quote, Hollywood cast Bradley Cooper, a non-Jew, to play Jewish legend Leonard Bernstein and stuck a disgusting, exaggerated Jew nose on him. Stop anti-Semitism. That came from an organization aimed at countering anti-Semitism. That was in a post on X, formerly known as Twitter. Social media users also weighed in with one writing, Bradley Cooper is putting himself in an insanely large prosthetic nose to play a Jewish man in Maestro, and we're all just supposed to act like that's cool and normal. Here's another one. Just looked up a picture of the real Leonard Bernstein. The big anti-Semitic prosthetic nose on Bradley Cooper was definitely not necessary. I saw Bradley Cooper play the elephant man with no prosthetics on Broadway, another social media user said, but then he plays a Jew and decides he needs a huge nose. He's the director too, so don't blame anyone else. So they're calling this Jew face the equivalent of black face. I think that the Jewish community has far more pressing issues to concern itself with for starters. Prosthetics have been used in film from time immemorial and people of other um, backgrounds have played people of other backgrounds for a long time. I didn't realize until John told me, my producer, that Kate Blanchett played Bob Dylan in a film. Okay. So it's a woman playing a man. Of course, no one got upset. Um, I, I thought of Remy Malik from, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I think he's Turkish. He played a Pakistani. Was that correct? Oh, by the way, he had in prosthetic teeth because Freddie Mercury had extra teeth in his mouth. So in order to do that, they, they had Remy Malik do that too. Was that okay? So yeah, now people are comparing the pictures of Bradley Cooper with the prosthetic nose to Leonard Bernstein. And is it too big? Is it whatever the hell? Steven Spielberg is one of the executive producers of this film. I think he's Jewish. So this was okayed by him. But my excellent producer, John Bird, came up with sample after sample after sample for me. Um, let's start this. De Niro, Robert De Niro, employed a fake nose to portray Jake LaMotta, and they curled his hair too. This is in a film that portrayed him as abusive and volatile. Hardly a broad insult to Italian-Americans. Okay. Imagine if Kirk Douglas had been limited to playing Rosencrantz or Guildenstern. Whole different career. Thank you, John. Uh, let's see. But we started with the guy that played the American Indian over and over and over again. Let me find it here. 
um, Iron Eyes Cody was Italian. Now, you should say, you could say, and I, I hear the feedback already, that was ages ago. We've come a long way. We need to, this, this is crossing over into this diversity, equity, inclusion circle that space circle that I think has been, is going to ruin Hollywood if it hasn't already. Look, I'm not, and I'm not shilling for Hollywood here. I, I couldn't care less really about actors, their films, whatever. What I see here is people being silly over a prosthetic nose and the fact that Bradley Cooper is not Jewish. And so they should have had Jake Gyllenhaal play the role because Jake really wanted it because Jake, I guess, is part Jewish. And then the co-star is Irish and she's playing a Costa Rican woman. I think Madonna played Evita. I mean, we could go on and on with examples. There are many of them. Um, so this is where we are. Robert De Niro is about 25% Italian. He always plays just Italian, Italian. Cliff Curtis. I don't know if you know this actor. He's from New Zealand and he's from a particular tribe there has played every brown ethnicity that he can play because he happens to have darker skin. So he's, he's from New Zealand and, and I cannot pronounce the name of his tribe. Ma Maori. It's spelled M-A-O-R-I. Maori. Not Maori. John. Yep. Correct. Okay. Maori. Um, should he not be playing any of those roles? Someone better tell him that. Here's what I love from the Coen brothers. They were asked about diversity in film. And they seem, along with Richard Dreyfus, who thinks this Academy Awards stuff is ridiculous. They seem to, to get it. Let me read this to you. Joel and Ethan Cohen, Oscar-winning directors and writers, did not include many characters of color in their new film, Hail Caesar. This is understandable. The film, set in the lily-white 1950s film industry, does not easily lend itself to a racially diverse cast. There are reasons far beyond racism, conscious or subconscious, why the Cones did not include many characters of color. Unfortunately, in an interview with the Daily Beast, the director sailed right past any good reasons and docked into problematic port. That's cute, right? They docked their boats in problematic port. In the interview, Joel, in the interview, Joel Cohn says that while he understands why audiences want more diversity in films, he doesn't get why his film in particular would be chosen as a target of criticism. Here's a quote from Joel Cohn. Why would they single out a particular movie and say, why aren't there black or Chinese or Martians in this movie? He asked. The person who asked that question has to come into the room and explain it to me. Later, in response to a question about whether or not filmmakers should think proactively about telling more inclusive stories, inclusive stories, both directors balked, with Ethan emphasizing that not every story will involve a diverse cast. Wow. Here's a quote from Ethan Cohen. It's an absolute absurd misunderstanding of how things get made. Actually, Joel said this. You don't sit down and write a story and say, I'm going to write a story that involves four black people, three Jews and a dog, right? That's not how stories get written. If you don't understand that, you don't understand anything about how stories get written. And you don't realize that the question you're asking 
is idiotic. On its face, the response seems jarringly tone deaf. <laughs> or jarringly realistic and true. Put aside for a moment that some filmmakers do write with inclusion in mind, although likely without comparing their minority characters to dogs, to borrow Joel's clumsy phrasing. Oh, Joel, that was so clumsy. You were speaking off the cuff and you said you threw in dogs as part of your cast. That didn't mean he was comparing them to a racial group. Oh my gosh. This writer is sitting with his notebook, finding everything he can about this response to make these people look bad, to make the Coen brothers look like idiots. I would contend that this writer comes off looking like the idiot and that the Coen brothers come off looking like genuine, realistic, common sense human beings. On its face, this response seems jarringly tone deaf. Put aside for a moment that some filmmakers do write with inclusion in mind, although likely without comparing their minority characters to dogs, to borrow Joel's clumsy phrasing. There is much middle ground between writing with representation quotas and only making characters non-white if necessary. Shonda Rhimes, the creator of Grey's Anatomy and Scandal, has spoken uh, in the past of colorblind casting. As a result, her shows are filled with characters from different backgrounds. I didn't think we were supposed to be colorblind. I didn't think that was allowed. By the way, big fan of Shonda Rhimes. But there is a core value to what the Coens are saying. Casting characters of color just because can be equally problematic. Director Ava DuVernay has gone so far as to reject the word diversity as, quote, a medicinal word that has no emotional resonance, emphasizing the idea of valuing minority characters' narratives over characters of color as ornament. Singling out the Coens is also counterproductive. The exclusivity of Hollywood is a crisis. The exclusivity of Hollywood is a crisis dire enough that it required no less than the ACLU to investigate hiring process practices. It's not the cones cross to bear alone. Their answer is indicative of systemic problems, not a sign of their villainy. Hollywood's in crisis. There's systemic problems in Hollywood. All that said, the Coens are popular, beloved, Oscar-winning directors. Their opinions are valued and reported upon because they are major members of the industry. To whiff on this answer so badly is tremendously disappointing, especially coming from such ambitious filmmakers. Inclusive storytelling is clearly a challenge for Hollywood. Why not take on that challenge and provide an example for the industry? The Coens' answer comes from a place of privilege. Here we go. The Cones answer comes from a place of privilege. As white directors, they have plenty of opportunities to tell the stories about white people. So Spike Lee. I'll just say Spike Lee. The Cones. Yeah, that's my ringtone. Sorry about that. The Cones answer comes from a place of privilege. As white directors, they have plenty of opportunities to sell stories about white people. Representation is not something they're actively fighting for in Hollywood. The stories they tell are the norm. Non-white directors don't have the same opportunity. Even when they do, they struggle to be recognized. Being famous in 2016 
requires an awareness beyond yourself and a sense of social justice that's indisputable. Those who stand with the status quo and benefit from it, and history will look kindly on them as great creators. Those who push back against systemic industry problems, however, will take part in slowly morphing a system that's incredibly white, male, straight, and cisgender. They have the chance to affect change. The Coens don't have to do that, but they can. The bottom line, what the Coens are saying, is a story is a story is a story. I remember when the film Rain Man came out with Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. And Dustin Hoffman played an, an autistic kid who could count cards and who ended up, Cruise takes him to, to Vegas and they win tons of money because he can count cards. And the famous line, I'm an excellent driver, came out of that film. I remember a friend of mine who also attended the University of California, Berkeley, said to me, this film is socially irresponsible. You can't just take an autistic person to Vegas and, and exploit them. The story was tremendous. It was a story. These are stories. And you tell them the way they should be told. And yes, Hollywood was once very much Lily White. But you act in this article, this writer talks as though we're still in the Stone Age. The writer, by the way, is Kevin O'Keefe, and that was written in 2016. And this was at the when the swell of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion was beginning to rise. So we'll we'll consider the timing there. Here we are, almost eight years out. Um, I wonder how this article would be written today. But this is where we are. Bradley Cooper shouldn't be playing Leonard Bernstein because he's not Jewish, and the co-star who is. Irish should not be playing his Costa Rican wife. So, yeah. I don't know. I think it's absurd, given the number of problems we have in the world, to focus to make this your hill to die on. Same with the teachers, making it a hill to die on to prevent parents from knowing about their children who are going through gender, dys gender dysphoria. All of this. These are insane times. But I'm hoping that by talking about it and just shedding light and saying, wake up. They go, grow less insane by the moment. John Berg, I feel like I left you out. Did you want to say something? You know what? I had a number of things. I was. I think you pretty much covered it all, Michelle. Uh, going back to the Leonard Bernstein example. <clears throat> In order to make that argument that they're making uh, regarding Leonard Bernstein and Brand Bradley Cooper, you'd have to take it that, that Martin Scorsese, who's a producer on the movie, and that Steven Spielberg and that Bradley Cooper all got together and wanted to insult Leonard Bernstein with an old trope about big Jewish noses. I mean, does that sound reasonable? No. Or does it sound like they were doing what they've done in film and in the theater, like you said, since time immemorial, where they yeah. simply do their best to capture the actual image of the person they are trying to depict. Like we brought up with Jake LaMotta, like they've done. Uh, remember Charlie Chaplin, uh, Robert Downey Jr. did a, an unbelievable turn as, as Chaplin, captured just about everything. I mean, that was considered an achievement until very recently. 
and if you take all of these, these, these quotas, like the writer in that last article offered, and you take them to their logical conclusion, it's completely destructive of the theater of, of drama of, of, of these art forms. It's destructive. I mean, listen to what they said. They're talking about Hollywood as though Hollywood, because it's white is just, it just fits into their strata that they've put it in. They are looking at everything through race. If you went back to the time of Hollywood, people thought of Hollywood as a bunch of scoundrels who left everywhere else and went out to Hollywood, a bunch of total freaks, people from vaudeville. I mean, very odd people that did not fit in, in sort of the conventional conservative uh, uh, cultures that they came from. And they went out there and formed a whole new place that was completely unique and known for its uh, classical liberalism. I mean, just about anything went all of a sudden now they're, you know, they're all Thurston Howell the third out there. It, that's, that's, that's a silly racialized way of looking at it. It's, it almost reminds me of when, when Whoopi Goldberg brought up uh, the Holocaust and, and the, the Nazis, it was just white people killing white people. It's a really dense way of looking at things. And it comes from racializing everything. If you turn everything into a racial thing, that's it, it's like the hammer and the nail. All you have left, everything's a hammer if all you see is a nail, you know? Yeah. Or whatever that yeah. phrase, I, I, I just butchered that phrase. You kind of did, but that's okay. <laughs> well, I think you we all what got I'm, what you, you were... You get what I'm saying. Though. I get, this, I get what you're it, saying. It, this is a dense way to look at things, and it doesn't portend good things for Hollywood, for drama, for depicting people in, in the theater, for any of that. It, 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 it will limit options and limit creativity. It will not expand. It's not a liberal way of looking at anything at all. I guess that's what I would stress. This is not liberal of anybody to look at things like this and come up with quotas for artistic work. Give me a break. Yeah. Do you have to depict X amount of people in an image now? If you're a photographer, can you only take photos if you have a certain, a certain makeup of ethnicities represented within your photo? That, that is a, a very good That's silly. analogy. That's a really good analogy. Uh, Thank you, John. I always appreciate your two cents, man. Um, oh, what? On your first thought, I went digging for it during the uh, during the episode. Bill Maher had a great uh, final thought regarding your first story, and he pointed out, he goes, why are all these trans kids in places like, you know, Tony areas of California and not Youngstown, Ohio? Do you remember that in his closing I arguments? Do. I Folks do. can Google uh, uh, Bill Maher on transgenderism and find that video. It was very worth watching. It's about nine minutes long. I didn't have time to find the exact spot, but he nailed it. And there were, he, he, he had some personal accounts saying, you know, this is the kind of thing I hear at parties. And it, it, it's, it's happening in areas because, because it's being encouraged in areas by the kind of teachers that you were talking about in New Jersey, the administrators, even some of the parents there who may be well-meaning who are misguided. And as other guests of, us, of ours have said, not, not misguided, but actually trying to divide us and divide the family. And, Some for sure. you, you know, there, there, there is that influence out there. I think that people don't want to really believe that that could happen. Why not? It's happened in plenty of places. We are not immune as long as we allow it to happen. All right, John, thanks. That's going to do it for today. Thanks for listening. As always, be brave. Be brave. Don't be afraid to talk about these things. Your opinion matters. I, uh, we have so much coming up in the future. I, I uh, talking to a mom who was canceled for speaking to the school board in her area. We'll, we will have her. We have a woman who is um, detransitioning coming up next week. We will speak to her. And we've got a guy who makes it a point to track down pedophiles and 
bring them to justice. So we'll get into all of those next week. Thanks for listening. Be brave. Do good. We'll see you next time.